All right, we are live with Memory Tracks, episode number 24. Uh, this, is a, this is a cool one, a little bit unplanned and caught off guard. Um, I, I had a, an episode booked for this week. It, consistently, I try to book like one a week or so is kind of my goal, understanding that that fluctuates with different schedules and who's available and can do it and different things like that. Um, and I'd had one that was planned for this week, but due to some different scheduling things between shit going on, uh, it had to push to next week, and I was like, oh, man, I feel like I really needed to have another one this week because there's a little bit of a gap between 22, 23, um, and this next one's not going to be until late next week. And so I was like, I really want to not just skip a week because of scheduling conflicts. So I uh, it was like, hey, does anyone out there want to jump on and do an episode? And Patty, who was uh, the previous week's episode, um, came on and was like, oh, Tiffany should do it. And so, Tiffany, you can say hello. You're Hi. here. Yeah. So, it's awesome to have you here. Um, you, similar to Patty, are also somebody I met through work and mm-hmm. currently work with today. And um, it was awesome to see, like, I think it was really fun to do Patty's last week and uh, hear her stories, get to know her better. Uh, and then, something that's been really cool as well is to see how she's shared it with her friends and, um, you know, people that I've never met and probably will never meet, um, still got something out of it. Uh, and it's because, you know, Patty was, was great and yeah. she was, she's infectious. And, um, for her to, uh, right away respond and be like, Oh, you should do Tiffany too. It's like, Oh, of course I should do <laughs> Tiffany. Like it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be a really fun episode. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it uh, and to getting to know you better through music because that's something that since we first met through working together, like I think we've kind of met a really good common ground and a lot of overlap interests and excitement about music and how we feel about that and how we get really emotional and into our feelings with the music that we listen yes. to and the way that we both idolize David Bowie. And yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and I mean, I think, uh, I guess in like what, two or three weeks, we're going to go see PJ Harvey. Is yeah, that right? we are I'm really Which excited about it. You, and I have you to thank for that because, um, like I knew, I know the name PJ Harvey and I remember like being in college and blog world and like, uh, one of the albums she came out with when I was in college was like pretty big. And that was definitely like a later part of her career, but, um, she, I, I, I became a Nick Cave obsessive fan mm-hmm. a few years ago and they dated. And so, you know, if you, when you go down the path of learning more about Nick Cave, you encounter PJ Harvey, of course, cause they did a lot of stuff together. And, um, so I kind of knew of her through that connection, but didn't really listen to her music. And then when she was coming to play and I knew that she doesn't play very often and like, I should go see her as a Nick Cave disciple. I feel like this is a rite of passage. Uh, which is not fair to her because it makes it sound like that. I, I think that Cave is, is is that like she's obviously she's she is a goddess. She's a goddess she for sure. Goddess. And I didn't understand or know that until this show came on board, and I was like, you know what? Well, one, I have to go because like when when you else will I get the yeah. chance? And you were like, you need to go see PJ Harvey. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, cool. So I bought a ticket, and then now it was like, okay, well, I, I should probably learn her music too. And you've done me the great service of like being like, here's the two or three records that like you really, these are my favorites and these are the pathways in. And um, uh, is this desire uh, Absolutely. has become like, God, I 
One of my favorite Fucking albums. I love that album. I oh can my listen God, to it it's every insane. day. Yeah. Uh, and then For Your Love, the one before it, um, I'm just like, and I'm in awe of both of those records. Um, and I'm a little bit nervous about the show in the sense of I know she had a new record out last year that I haven't listened to a whole lot. And so anytime you're like very late to the party of listening to somebody, then, uh, you know, the fear is you get used to all their old stuff that they've been touring on forever and don't play anymore and the new stuff. So we'll see. I have no expectations other than the fact that, like you said, she's a goddess and I yes. can't wait to see her in person. And uh, she plays one of my favorite guitars, like an old airline. Uh, it's like white with a black pickguard. So, so fucking cool. Uh, <laughs> if, she, if I get to see her play, that I'll be very excited. But back to, you know, our, our friendship and, um, and things like that, you know, uh, it's, it's always fun. Uh, I've talked about this with a few other uh, guests and, um, you know, at software companies, we all use Slack as the interpersonal communication, like old AOL instant messenger, but for coworkers. And you always have You just dated easy. yourself, by the way. <laughs> Man, I, I loved me <laughs> some. I used to stay up so late to like talking to girls on AOL. Oh, yeah. Well, those custom away messages, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You like this. It's the before there was a subtweet, there was the, <laughs> the away ASL message. of yeah. AOL. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's uh, so we have a, the music channel on Slack, which I've talked about before, but I feel like there's days when um, you'll post something and be like, oh, yeah, Tiffany, you, you got me today. This yeah. is the one. Thank you. I owe you. <laughs> I feel the same about you. Though. That's great. Yeah. No, it's fun. I, I love sharing those moments. So obviously we've got a good friendship around music. And um, as a result, you're a very natural guest for this because um, it's great. But at the same time, I feel a little bit guilty in the sense of we've sprung this upon you because uh, I think it was like probably last night at like 9 p.m. was when we confirmed the <laughs> yes. taping. Um, and I was impressed cause you like sent the three songs pretty quickly. So yeah, you had some thought to it. Yeah. I, um, I thought about it, but I didn't want to think about it too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going through it and a couple songs were a couple easy to, they were pretty easy to determine what I wanted. And I thought a bit about another one and I just said, let my instinct go. Yeah. Let my instinct yeah. determine the way. It's, it, yeah, I mean, you kind of, you have to do it. And like, if I asked you next week, it might be different songs. Probably. You know? uh, but, you know, you take that with you as, as you go beyond the episode and to however else you think about it and reflect on it, which is great. And so I'm really grateful to you that you were willing to step up to the plate and the challenge on such short notice and come be a guest. Because um, I, I don't think everybody would, would do that. And we talked a little bit about how um, before we started, we were like sound checking and you know, a lot of guests would be like, Oh, I hate hearing, I, I don't like hearing my own voice. It's weird to record. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm yeah. fine. Well, you have a great voice, of course. Oh, well, thank you. Um, so that's easy. But, um, you, you say you, that you are a little bit nervous, but it's not that it's just about the general, um, process. And so for guests listening right now, that saw my message last night of like, Hey, would you like to be on the episode? Like, eh, maybe I do it, but maybe I'm too nervous. I don't know. Don't be nervous. Yeah, We're all just nervous do it. about it. Yeah, yeah. Just do it. Come on board. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if you agree with that statement at the end of this. <laughs> at the end, you might be like, Oh God, that was miserable. I hate no, this. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not worried about that. Uh, well, I'm, I'm really excited about it. We've got three songs on deck for today that um, cover a good range. One will be from an artist that we've had another guest before, but a totally di- in a totally different context. Um, and really, all three are ones that are relatively new to me and 
you know, in, in my own excuse mode, um, I didn't do as much research in advance of this as I normally would have, but because I know how much these songs mean to you based on you know, what you've described in the process that it took for you to pick them, then I don't think that'll be a problem. So I think it's going to be a really good, really good conversation. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm excited that you are. And with that, we will um, kick it off with the first song, which is called Go by Pearl Jam. by Pearl Jam from their album Verses, which was 1993. And I think today actually is the 25th year anniversary of the release of 10, which would have been oh, the wow. album before, I think. Um, 
which is crazy. I feel like I got bombarded with Pearl Jam facts today. Um, and we talked earlier about how I don't know a whole lot of Pearl Jam stuff. We have another coworker, Rob, who is is a huge Pearl the Jam fan. The world's biggest Pearl Jam yeah. fan. So I'm sure if he was a guest, it probably would be like two Pearl Jam songs and one Temple of the Dog song. <laughs> I would actually say probably three Pearl Jam songs. But but, um, but that, I would be interested in that one. But um, yeah, I I knew 10 as a record and I think 10 is a great record. And then I think Versus is the next one that I honestly, I don't know if I've ever listened to it all the way through. And when you would pick the song Go, I was like, oh, I was thinking Why Go, which is I think the opening song to 10. But this one's just called Go, which I guess maybe is the opening song to Versus. Yes, it's but, the first track. Yeah, so that's interesting. So they just removed the Y and the question mark and stayed with Go. So clearly they know where they're going, I guess. But, <laughs> yes. uh, but yeah, that was a cool song. It's super rocking and you get the like classic Pearl Jam's drums and Eddie Vedder uh, like yeah, it's growl. It's a classic, so classic grunge sound right there. <laughs> it's so good, yeah. And 93, I mean, so it's two years after Nevermind comes out. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's good stuff. So, anyways, tell me, uh, tell me why you picked the song. Uh, this one was easy for me. Um, I've always felt that mostly this Pearl Jam album, and namely this song, because it's the first one on there, were very fundamental in my just development as a music lover. Um, mm-hmm. Music has always been a passion of mine ever since I was a kid, and I picked the song. Because I remember, I guess I must have been in middle school at the time, um, that I wanted to be one of the cool kids. Yeah. And the cool kids were wearing Pearl Jam shirts, and the cool kids were wearing Metallica shirts. <laughs> and I didn't know what any of that meant, but I knew I wanted to be like those guys. And I remember this so vividly. Is So I grew up in the suburbs, of the suburbs of Dallas in Plano, Texas. Oh, that's right, yeah. Dallas. Yeah, um, okay. and Which is probably identical to the suburbs that I grew up in. Grew I said up Houston. In Houston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's an affluent suburb, very yeah. kind of generic in a way, but also very safe, mm-hmm. great place to grow up. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have changed that for the world. And um, I remember talking to my dad and saying, hey, I want to go to the record store and I want to go get a CD. Mm-hmm. And um, he took me to Bone Daddy Records, which was... That sounds like an independent record store, <laughs> it which was, is pretty it progressive was. for you. Yeah, for being probably what... 14, 13, 14 I was going to say, like, you were going to Sam Goody or no, Blockbuster it was, Music. It was Bone Daddy Records Bone at Daddy. the Park and Preston intersection of Plano, Texas. And I, um, I assume it's no longer there. It is no longer yeah, there. Okay. I think it's a, a Chinese restaurant now. Awesome. Um, but he took me, and I didn't know what I wanted because I didn't know what I liked. I just knew I wanted to get something. And I went to the I first went to the Metallica section, and... Um, I don't even remember which Metallica album I was looking for, but I think they were all sold out or they didn't have anything. So I was yeah. like, okay, well, I'm just going to go to Pearl Jam. Yeah. And the only Pearl Jam album they had was Versus. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to take this take one. That one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I oftentimes wonder what life would have been like if I had gone for that Metallica, Metallica. album and said, yeah, you know, <laughs> would I be a completely different path in life if I took the Metallica route? I have no idea. Interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, I genuinely think about that sometimes, but I got the Pearl Jam record and I was really excited. And I think I was wearing, um, you know, your flannel shirt that one wears yeah, when you're in middle school <laughs> in the early mid nineties right. and, um, took it home and put it in my Sony boombox, and I just blared it. 
and it was loud and it was wonderful and it just energized me so much. And my mom came in the room <laughs> and she was just like, what the fuck is, <laughs> this? is this? This is so loud. And yeah. And I was so happy. I just remember being so excited to have that blaring and I just felt the connection right there. And my timelines are, you know, a bit skewed. I, I don't remember if I got this pre or post Kurt Cobain's death. That was, I think, a big marker in a lot of our lives yeah. at that time. You know, even though we were young, we didn't really know I what that, that was meant. Like 94. I think it was ninety four, and yeah. I probably got this album in maybe like ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. Um, so it's right on the cusp of that. Guessing it was probably afterwards, but yeah. um, just to be a part of that music scene. It was really big for me. And so that really, this Pearl Jam album was what got me started into grunge music and what got me started into the whole teenage angst thing. Mm -hmm. The timing couldn't have been better. Yeah. So um, I listened to a lot of Pearl Jam. (laughs) I listened, that took me to Nirvana and I never did get a Metallica album. I never went down that route and I loved it. I loved the energy. And that's how it really all started. My love for music started with Pearl Jam's verses and for turning on that first song on that, that first CD that I bought really loud and upsetting my mom. And I'm curious. So your dad took you and mm-hmm. this is like, what would you say? It was like kind of the first record store trip that you really yeah. remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what turned that switch on to where he's like, okay, this is the time. Like, is your dad a big music fan as well? Um, to a degree. My dad listened to a lot of old music. I remember my dad listening to a lot of um, 1310 KAAM in mm-hmm. Dallas, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of stuff from the 30s and 40s. So my dad's very much into nostalgia and yeah. very much into the times past. Yeah. And so he wasn't necessarily listening to the Eagles or anything like that when I was growing right. up. It was, I think it was honestly more so just wanting to fit in with yeah. the cool kids yeah. at school that started the whole thing. I mean, that's cool that he took you and let you pick up. Yeah. 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 He let me pick whatever I wanted. <laughs> Did, uh, do you have siblings? Yes. I have yeah. a younger sister. Younger sister. So what's the age gap there? Um, she's about a little shy of two years younger than me. So she's about like a year and nine months. So pretty close. Yeah, we're pretty so close. what was her reaction to the Pearl Jam record? Oh, I don't remember, to be honest. Um, I think she may have been too young to even know at that point. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know. Um, but she did pick up, I think, on the love of music too. I remember she, I actually think I still have some of her CDs in my bedroom in my parents' house. Yeah. And, um, I think there's a white zombie CD in there. Sorry, Faye, for outing you on that. <laughs> uh, I think there's a white zombie and some Alanis Morissette in there. Nice. Um, yeah. Some Nine Inch Nails. I think she went kind of more for that industrial metal route. Right. Than well, I did. yeah, because I mean, grunge eventually, like, it has a lifespan and then it kind of died out yeah. for a little bit. And then you get into more of the, like, the industrial move and unfortunately the new metal side. Yeah. And the Olympus kind of hits. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All that. We all had that shit at some point, unfortunately. <laughs> I did not, by the way, let well, it be known. I never you, had yeah. any Limp Bizkit in my Well, life. I wasn't allowed to buy it, so technically I never had okay. it. But I did have burned copies of yeah. various CDs from friends. Um, but yeah, well, so you're the oldest then. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, 
you a lot of guests, a lot of people experience music through like, oh, well, my older sibling or someone shepherded me through it. Did was that something that you guys bonded with as well, or? Um, actually, I don't think so. No, I don't think much. we really did. Um, we weren't necessarily super close growing up. Um, we didn't get close until I think I moved away to college and we had this holy shit I've lived with you my entire life and now you're not going to be here anymore yeah it's weird huh? and it was really weird yeah Yeah. um but as the older because I'm I'm the oldest as well mm -hmm. it's kind of different for us because like what we're doing is all new and exciting and stuff but for them everything's the same except that you're not there yeah yeah it is weird (laughs) it's really weird um but it was also you know going back just to where I was when I bought that Pearl Jam record and what I was looking for. I think it was this time of wanting to fit in as youth and coming of age and trying to find your place in in the world. And are you a jock or are you a punk or are you a skater kid? And, you know, which route did I want to take? And I really knew that the preppy jockey route was not for me. That's not where I But the grunge and the flannel. The the, grunge and the flannel. Shampoo your hair once every four days. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And a lot of manic panic. Definitely was a lot of manic panic in my life. Um, And it just, I really connected with that whole scene. And I really connected with the message and the anger in that teenage angsty kind of way I was talking about. There's no real anger. You're not really angry about anything because you're still living a life of privilege. Um, But you find things to rebel against yeah of course of course i mean it's like a classic suburban experience yeah it, right? it, i had a very classic suburban yeah. life growing which up. is great like you know it's uh it's nice to be able to share that with others and to know that hey i wasn't the problem this is just yeah a course of life pearl jam is always an interesting band to me because you think about like nirvana and nirvana was finite because kurt it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they'll only ever have the music that they gave us. But Pearl Jam continues to yeah. be a band. And so I always wonder, like, whereas Nirvana, I feel like, will always be... There will always be teenagers, new teenagers out there that will hear Nirvana and feel something from Nirvana. But because Pearl Jam has, like, grown up, and, and not grown up is the wrong word, but as they continue to evolve and do different things, or you could argue that they haven't... that they stopped evolving and whatever they release now isn't as good as what it, whatever it doesn't matter but it's interesting to me in the sense of like Pearl Jam might be the Rolling Stones of our generation yeah and I mean that's that's a weird thing to say because it's I totally bet you different. Rob would agree with that but, though. <laughs> <laughs> so. but yeah I mean like I wonder whereas I feel like Nirvana people will continue to feel those like teenage angst suburban feelings for Nirvana because that's the only time period that they lived through it, Pearl Jam became more. And as they continue to be in the cycle of stuff, does it take away from the impact of that? Like, can a kid still listen to 10 and get the same feelings that you got at that age when they're at that age? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I'd say over time, I think my love, when I think about just reflecting back on listening to all that grunge music, is that yeah. I did have a bigger passion for Nirvana. I yeah. loved all of their stuff. Um and I really connected with Kurt Cobain as a songwriter. Yeah. Um, and I had, I mean, every album. And there was this 
record store in Dallas is called Bill's Records and Tapes, and it was. Um, Man, Dallas has all the cool oh, hip Dallas record stores actually, in the '90s. Surprisingly, <laughs> I'm sure Houston did too, but I was in the suburbs. So yeah, well, it was you know Dallas had Bill's Records and Tapes, and we would go out there, and it was, and it's actually still there. I uh, I took my boyfriend there, I think, a couple years ago. They're in a new nice. location, but you walk in, and it's just a big room, disorganized mess. And there's just records everywhere and CDs everywhere. And I mean, you literally, it's just having to dig through stuff. But yeah. we would go there and I would find these like Pearl Jam bootleg CDs and Nirvana bootleg CDs. And there's no prices on them. And Bill would just decide how much he wanted to charge <laughs> you for that day. So, so Bill know. was actually there behind the counter. No, day. Bill was behind the counter. He was an old guy. I mean, I'm frankly surprised he's still alive because he this was when I was going to Bill's records and tapes I mean this is when you could still smoke in a building so he would be sitting <laughs> just there. he, sitting would, just, there he the would sit there behind the register and it, I mean he was probably 60 something years old he's got to be in his 80s now and he would just sit there and just chain smoke all day and the place just stunk <laughs> and everything smelled so bad I remember that and it just depended on his mood how much he wanted to charge you. And there was always this rumors that, well, he always liked the, the young guys. And mm-hmm. so you could, if you were a young guy, you get a better deal than, yeah. you know, just a girl walking yeah, in. Yeah. Um, but we would go there all the time and I would get all these. I had just a stockpile of these like random, you know, Nirvana Live in Europe, 1994, yeah. 1992 or whatever. Pearl Jam B-Sides records and... Um, uh, yeah, he, it was it was a great place to go, and that was also really formative in, in my part of that because I think going to Bone Daddy's and getting that first record and being excited about just digging through stuff and then going to Bill's Records and Tapes, and there's this other place called CD Source that was on um, Lower Greenville in Dallas, which is now closed. Uh, I was really, really sad when they closed because I would go back there every single time I went home. Yeah. I'd always make a point to go to CD yeah. Source, and the guy's were working the same guys were there when I would go there that had been working there when I was 16 and um just being able to dig through all that stuff I don't know how I got on this tangent about no, stores, good, yeah. but um I mean yeah. it's interesting because yeah you think I mean we were talking about the will people think and feel a certain way about stuff that we heard at that time and it's similar to that it's like will kids have the experience of record stores and I don't think so probably I mean, not and Spotify is taking over is, and, and you know, iTunes is taking over get off my lawn like crotchety yeah, old people I've talking about it that saying person. it out loud but, <laughs> I really you know, have I mean, it, and maybe they'll be different in new ways and things but yeah, it's cool it's it's fun to think about and to respect what we had back then yeah. and pay tribute to it so it's not a tangent but <laughs> I don't welcome <laughs> yeah um, um, but no, it's cool. I, I mean, was really surprised that when I was went to Bill's Records and Tapes, um, it's I think it's still called Bill's Records and Tapes. I, I don't even know, but that he was frankly that he was still, that he was still, still alive. He was register. still there. <laughs> I remember I went to CD Source. Um, maybe this was, they probably closed like four or five years ago. But I went there, and the owner would always be sitting on a stool by the front door. Yeah, always. And the same guys were always working there, and I would. Every, last time I was there, I remember I walked, um, talked to the owner, and I said, "Hey, just so you know, I've been coming here since I was 16, and every time I come into town, I come in." And he was like, "You know, you're not the first person to tell me that, and I love hearing these stories, and yeah. I love hearing people that this has been their place, their go-to oh, that's place." Cool. That's, I'm sure that that's pretty powerful for yeah. them. Like 
hey, it's validation that they're doing something yeah. that, that matters to people. That's good. It's like an Empire Records. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It's what it was. Except That's without cool. Liv Tyler, it was a bunch of dudes. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, um, who knows, maybe maybe his Liv Tyler is, will happen. <laughs> maybe, maybe. She's just applying for the job. <laughs> Uh, well, should we move to the next one? Yeah, yeah. All right. So the next song is uh, by, this is the one that, uh, it's the second song we've had in, in this podcast um, from the band R.E.M., but from a totally different era of R.E.M. This is, um, at least I think so. I, Joshua, I'm sorry if I messed that up and R.E.M.'s not. This is the same era. But anyways, I'm not an R.E.M. scholar. Oh, they're great. You the, should be an R.E.M. scholar. Uh, well, they're and fantastic. hey, this is, a, this is a good way for me to learn more. Um, this song is called Night Swimming.
deserves a quiet night Deserves a quiet Night Swimming by R.E.M. So that comes from um, Automatic for the People in 1992. And you're going to have a lot to say about it. I, I'm really excited, but we were discussing how I'm not as familiar with R.E.M. and this and that and this record, and I've now made a promise during the course of listening to that to, to spend some time with this record. Um, and I will. I, I It's a beautiful song, I can tell. I can mm-hmm. tell it's going to be fun. Um, but when I was researching it, I was kind of like, there's like a little bit of a story arc to the song and like the recording of it. I don't know if, if you know, do you mind if I share it? Yeah, go ahead. So the first is that the string arrangement in that song was composed and written by John Paul Jones, who's the bassist from Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Um, and then the other is that the piano, which is like the backbone of the song, is recorded on the same piano that Jim Gordon played the Layla Coda. So Eric Clapton's Layla, like yeah. the piano cut at the end, it's the same piano, which inspired, it like caused my brain to go down a tangent of like, oh, what if there was a podcast about like all the <laughs> instruments that have been featured on everything that nobody do? And so, yeah, that was a whole nother thing. But I thought that was pretty cool and gives me a lot of respect for clearly this is an important song that was well thought out through that process that a lot of really cool people were a part of. So... Anyways, anyway, Night Swimming, R.E.M. from Automatic for the People, 1992. Tell me. Tell me more. Um, so, oh, where do I even start? Um, Automatic for the People was a huge album for me. More so probably in the um, early 2000s. 2000 to like 2002, 2003. Um, it is an album that my first love and I listen to often. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I think of him, I think of this album. And I actually wasn't sure. I, I knew Pearl Jam was, a, as I said, an easy yep. decision for yep. me. And I didn't know where to go from there. And then I thought, what were the, the formative years? Of and course, right. this person in my life was a huge, huge part of it. And... Um, it's the love that you have when you're 18 to 20 and mm-hmm. there's no mortgage and there's mm-hmm. no job and there's, you know, none of that stuff. And it's just pure and raw and innocent. And we listen to so much REM together <laughs> and especially automatic for the people. And so I, I look back at that time very, very fondly. Um, you know, obviously he and I aren't together anymore. He's, you know, he's married with two kids. He lives in Ireland, actually. And um, it was still such a high point in my life. And so I just, I really felt like I had to recognize him and recognize mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And just that point in my life, I had just moved to Austin. I moved to Austin in January 2001. 
um, while he and I were still together. We did a long distance thing. Yeah, wow. So yeah. He, he was in Ireland and I was in Austin. Oh I was gosh. in Texas. Not and just you, long distance. You talk about long distance. Yeah, we, we did it. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, distance was always making the heart grow fonder and it yeah. was always a big thing to see each other. Effect, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it was also, you know, I would never do a long distance again <laughs> because of that, because it was too much. But um, that album... And that's just my favorite song off of that album. It's so beautiful, and it's just so reminiscent of innocence and youth and mm-hmm. care, just being carefree and just living a simple, innocent life. And that's the life that I had at that point. Um, I moved to Austin with my really good friend, two of my really good friends when I was growing up, Scott and Samantha. Mm-hmm. We grew up together in Dallas and moved to Austin. And my big years were spent them and REM was a big part of that yeah how did you first like hear of REM to know to listen to them because uh, REM is me. like I mean yeah. they they have They've been a around. huge long career they've been around changed the shape it's their shapeshifter band and yeah they they're amazing I, I I preach this to anyone that will listen listen to old REM it's amazing it's so beautifully constructed and well written and yeah. Michael Stipe I feel is an absolute poet of our time mm-hmm. um but yeah, his his name was Owen. His name um, is Owen, yeah. And he shared this with me. And I remember listening to it together and just falling in love with it. Yeah. That's cool. Like it's, uh, you know, anytime you offer up like a, a memory or something to, to a person in a relationship that's obviously in the past, it's, it's not about like, oh, well, this is something that you've hung on to. It's just, no, it was an important time in your life. Yeah. It was formative. And it's something that you never lose focus in that i think we all have that and sometimes you like to talk about it sometimes you don't like to talk about it, sometimes it makes you uncomfortable but it's it's always interesting when you have guests that are like hey, this is this is a big thing it was a huge and, thing yeah like yeah. It, it would be silly to ignore it and to think about it and uh i'm sure there's a lot of negatives associated to times in your life when you reflect back on things but when you can take the positives away from it and be like, yeah, this was, this is really cool. And then reflect on it and de- be able to still hear it and to listen to it and be like, this is, this still means so much to me. Yeah. Uh, he's, yeah, he's, it's a, it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. He's, um, he's a really good man and he was very, very good to me. Yeah. And he really, you know, he was my first real relationship. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he, he taught me so much. Um, he taught me about patience and understanding and connection and poetry and art. Yeah. And just, he was so eloquent. I mean, this was again, mm. you know, probably back in, we started seeing each other was, I remember actually it was August of 2000. So, um, you know, internet was still around. We actually met online. That's, oh, that's nice, how, yeah. I mean, how else are you going to meet somebody from Ireland, right? Yeah. So <laughs> we met online and, um, even then, like I still have all his letters, they're all at my parents' house now, but I have all his letters and we send each other mixtapes and postcards oh, that's cool. and, yeah. um, he would send me art that he drew and I, you know, it, and then we were together for about three and a half years, you know, it was long distance. So mm-hmm. I say, oh, it's just three and a half long years, long distance is like a year together, maybe. Yeah. You know, right. You put we it, actually you put the math of like, all here's down. how many hours. Yeah. In the same <laughs> you room. put it in hours. Um, and there was a point where he, he was a pharmacist. He still, I think he's still a pharmacist. Um, 
was going to move to the U.S. He was going to move here for me. And he had quit his job, and he was studying to take this exam to get licensed in the U.S. He actually came here. He passed his exam. He put a lot of time into it. He got a job, and it was New Year's Eve day, I think 2003 going to 2004. Maybe I don't quite. I think that's right. Mm -hmm. Um, I just remember he's sitting at the table at the house I was living in the time with some roommates and he's like hey you know I didn't I wasn't going to take that job and I was yeah. like yeah I, I kind of figured as much it. Yeah. and it was just you know he was he was about five years older than me so he was probably in his mid-20s and he mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily ready to give up his life in Ireland and come back here yeah um and that was that was the end of that and it was a beautiful whirlwind romance and we traveled the world together and yeah. he took me to all these beautiful places and we did amazing things and I will never ever forget what he gave me and just the unconditional love that he gave me yeah. when I was so young and didn't know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's really special. Um, I, so I would ask you then, um, you know, you, you, when you have this association to to music and things like the thing about music is it's short form, it's creative stuff that means a lot to you. Hear it again and again, um, and sometimes it can bring up like things and stuff. So, if you put yourself back in time to when that relationship ended, I'm curious: did you have like a fear of like all of this is tied up into that relationship, and I'm heartbroken, or and maybe you were, or I, I don't know. But you have a lot of association to this song, or probably more specifically this album and this band and, and that to that relationship. Was there a period of time where you felt some fear of like, I shouldn't listen to this because it brings that up in the the fallout of that, that then later on is time heals everything and you start to reflect and take the lessons that you learned through that process. Like, how did that work for you? Yeah, um, I didn't listen to to this for a while, actually. Um, I remember very well dropping him off at the airport because he was going back home. Uh, This was at DFW Airport and sitting in the car and listening to Night Swimming and crying because I had just sent him off and knowing I had no idea when I was going to see him again. Um, And when... When that was all said and done and it ended, it was it was really hard because I, I think at that point I genuinely thought I was going to spend the rest of my life with this guy. Yeah. And to, you know, reflecting back on it now, as I was saying, is we didn't, we lived in a romantic fairy tale mm-hmm. together. We didn't know what it was like to live together. We didn't know what it was like to, for example, share a mortgage together. Just yeah. going back to that example. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was hard to move on with that, but also in a way I was 21, 22 when we had broken up and I was excited about what opportunities lay yeah, ahead a new, a new as well. New, yeah. um, and aside from my partner now, I've never loved anyone the way that I loved him. Yeah. And, you know, you can't even compare the two, but. So it was, it, it took some time for me to be able to right. listen to it and smile instead of feel heartache and sadness. Yeah. But now I can listen to it and smile. And especially, you know, 
thankfully, you know, Facebook keeps us connected and he's got a wonderful, beautiful life with a beautiful wife and beautiful kids and he travels the world and he's got everything I ever hoped he would have. So I'm so happy for him. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, even for myself, you know, I've, I've had a lot of Obama's memories and relationships tied up to songs and music and things because it's something that I personally very much care about as well and typically something I connect with other people on uh and yeah you go through that kind of like roller coaster of emotion and it's hard when you really connect on like there's certain bands or songs that like I love so much and so much of what it has come to me is tied up to that relationship. And there is that moment of time where you're like, you're afraid to press play on that song. Again yeah. Because you're like, shit, I don't want to wake these emotions back <laughs> yeah. up. And, I don't want to feel the things. <laughs> I don't want to feel the feelings. Right. But I mean, I think that again, you know, the time, the time heals things and gives you different perspective and stuff. And it's fun to be able to go back to it and appreciate it for what it was so what it meant and how it made you who you are today and everything that you have going for you now and what may come to be. And it is interesting too, as you reflect on the music memories and how they're tied up to these definitions and what we're saying right now is a snapshot in time of today. Yeah. Five years, 10 years from now, it may mean something totally different. And that's just part of the goal of having these conversations for myself and for my guests of like, yeah, you know, put shit on the table and yeah. see what it means to you now. And then, you know, you might listen to this in five years and be like, oh, yeah, I still feel that way or I feel different or this and that. And it means something different. And the power of like art and music to shift with you as you shift with your life is fascinating. So I yeah. love, I'm glad you brought that. Yeah. Um, I have, a, you know, two things is one, I will always, when I listen to REM or The Smiths or New York Dolls. Um, I will always think of him because those are. Oh, he, he, he said Nerd Dolls. And I all of a sudden, I love that song, Trash. Yes. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, but I'll always think of him. And I, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm really excited to do this with you yeah. and to be here is because I'm a historian by trade. Mm-hmm. History is my love and it's my number one passion. Yeah. And the importance of oral histories and to be able to document this. Um, so that I can listen to this, you know, in five years time or share this and, you know, a hundred years from now, if this medium still exists and we can share this, that people can understand what did music mean to people that were born in the 1980s and and what, what was that all about? Um, but I, I I like to think that even 20 years from now, if I hear anything off of automatic for the people, I'm going to think about that first love. Yeah. Think about, think about him. It's cool to imagine that and try and think of what it could mean. It's fun. It's good. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah. So that's really cool. Well, we should move to the to yeah. the, the final one. Um, this is a song by a band. Uh, is it a band or is it I, one person? It's, it's a solo guy, but I think he has a backup band that okay. plays with him. All right. So this is uh, Kishibashi, and the song is called Manchester.
It started with a word, and it started pretty well about a rare and fragile bird that I couldn't even spell on the table. I think I left it on the table. Page in the sky, cold and sweet like an apple. I found you, and now the story has its proper end. Oh, my love, will it be mine? I haven't felt this alive in a long time. All the streets are warm today. Manchester by Kishibashi and this is only the second time that I've ever heard it and first time like with like proper headphones over here where I can hear it and I have to say like listening to it I'm uh so I have I, I think that I have ASMR which I don't know if you're familiar with it but it's like an auditory like sound perception thing that's the brain tingles really good like this American life on what ASMR is that I highly recommend one of my favorite podcast episodes of all time uh, but when you hear that recording turned up loud, like right in your ears, there's something like so gentle about the soundscape that they create where you can actually, 
hear the like fingers pressing the strings against the frets and like hear the physical like sound that emotes from that or like the horse hairs that are mm-hmm. sliding across it. like to go down to that level of like delicacy of the soundscapes but more importantly just the way that he actually sings where he's like right up to the mic and he's using his p's <laughs> and his s's and it's like so it triggers the asmr in me that i'm like oh man this is this is giving me chills listening yeah. to so uh, thanks for see. sharing yeah, that because yeah, it was uh, um, i'm i'm actually really fascinated now by this kishibashi yeah his um this is album it's 151a is one of the most beautiful albums ever what was it called 151? 151a is his it's an artist and it's just him and his violin and he'll tour with a backup band okay. um and it is some of the most beautiful music ever written i actually saw him play at mohawk about maybe a couple years ago mm-hmm. and they did an after party at cheer up charlie's and i had stolen one of the show posters from oh, the walls nice, off yeah. the mohawk and they're like hey we're going to cheer up charlie's and i was like all right awesome i gotta go hang out with this guy and say hi and I went up to him and I had his poster and I was like, can you sign this please? And I was so nervous and I was giggling like a four-year-old and I made some really stupid asinine comment that I remember he looked at me like, what is wrong with you? But I was so starstruck. I was such a fangirl and I actually have it framed and it's up in my house. Yeah, that's awesome. Because <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I haven't yeah. heard anything this beautiful. Dude, where is he music. from? Like, um, he's from Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, I think he's... Um, oh, just like R.E.M. Yeah. Just like R.E.M., <laughs> exactly. I, I actually didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, Athens, just like R.E.M. Um, and I think he's... Um, ja- he, I mean, he's Japanese, and I don't know if he's born and raised in Japan or, or what the connection is. But yeah. I know I know his Facebook posts are in Japanese sometimes. Oh, wow, nice. But um, any, everyone and anyone should listen to him and listen to 151A. And he's got albums that have been put out since then, but nothing compares to that yeah. album. Noted and definitely as part of my homework assignment yes. for, for this episode. So, so tell me why, um, why this song is, is your closer. Uh, this song, um, you know, of course I think it's hands down the most beautiful song ever written. Um, that and night swimming are the most beautiful songs ever written, but, um, it's, it's so relates to where I am in my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, it is about, there's this this is line in the song and I'm probably quoting it wrong, but it says, I, I found you and now the story has its proper end. I am it it I just think of my partner now and you know, I was listening to Patty's podcast the other day and she was talking about how she positions her different segments in cities that she was in. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, I, I've lived in Texas my whole life. I've lived in Austin for over 15 years. So yeah. for me, it's just the t- people that have come and gone from my life. And I think about my partner now and what an amazing, amazing person he is and how thankful I am to have him. And I feel like now that I've met you and the story has an end and in a way the story has an end, but it's also just beginning. Yeah. And I've, never loved the way that I've loved and every single time I hear the song and this is no joke I'd say probably 85% of the time I listen to the song I listen to this album a lot is I tear up because it's such a beautiful love story and I'm so thankful 
that I got so lucky because I never thought it would happen for me. I never in a million years <laughs> thought it would happen for me, and it did. So it's that's why I picked it because it just reminds me of of love and um, you know we've we've been together three and a half years, so it's. You know, one could say the honeymoon phase has worn off. And yeah. I keep referring back to the mortgage, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a mortgage <laughs> together. And big it's, yeah. it's big stuff. And <laughs> I love it. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And I love the life that we have together. I love the life that we've built together. And there's times where I will just sit back and I'm, you know sit in our house and we have too many cats we have three cats <laughs> oh my god three cats <laughs> too many three too many <laughs> we have three cats i always let it be known Wait, how many are evans versus so yours? evan has two and i have one and i oh, always okay. say evan is the crazy cat lady it is not me i had one it's good to clarify he, that yeah. i have to clarify he was the crazy cat lady he is the crazy cat lady um but i'll just look around and you know we have no eye for design. We don't know what we're doing. Our house is a mess. And I'll just look around and I'll be like, we built this together. And we built this mess together. And I'm so thankful and so full of gratitude for what he has provided me. Um, I've never met someone that is so patient and understanding. He's a very impatient man. <laughs> and yet somehow his patience with me is unending. Yeah. Even He's though just Evan, channeling all of it. Even though, Evan, you. I know you're going to be listening to this later, and I see those eye rolls, and that's okay. <laughs> I totally is fine with it. Um, but I just, I think of us as this great love story. We met on an absolute fluke. It was an absolute accident that we even, our paths even crossed. And... Well, what was the accident? Um, if you don't mind. No, I, I love telling the story. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, I, um, I had plans with a girl. So it was, it was the summer. It was August 2013. And um, it was August 23rd, actually. And I had plans with a girlfriend, with my friend Crystal. And she was having a really rough day. And she was like, I don't want to. We it was a Friday. And she was like, I don't want to go out. I, we had, we're going to go to Grackle or something over on the east side. And she's like, I don't want to go out. Um, I had a bad day and I was like, that's fine. Um, there's this other group of friends of mine that are going to a happy hour at the parlor off of Guadalupe. And this was a group of people I met through is called drunk club. Nice. And drunk club was uh, shout out to drunk club by the way, but, uh, <laughs> drunk club was a group of us that were what were considered professionals that like to go out drinking and, uh, we like to, we like to drink and it was a drunk club happy hour. Any way you can label alcoholism as something other than alcoholism. Yeah, that's pretty much what we did. So Aaron, Ashton, Courtney, thank you um, for bringing me into Trunk Club. But I was like, that's fine. I'm going to go out and go to Trunk Club, uh, Trunk Club Happy Hour, the parlor. And I went there and I had kind of decided over that summer, I had just gotten out of a really toxic, ugly relationship that had gone on far longer than it should have. Um... And I kind of dated over the summer, and I was like, I'm just going to hang out with my girlfriends. I'm, I'm done. I don't yeah. need any of this. And so I went to the parlor, and this guy walked in. And this is going to sound so corny, but I just noticed him as soon as he walked in. And I was like, who is this? I've never seen this guy come in. And I've never seen this guy before. I didn't know who he was. And we were hanging out and we were, we were talking, you know, whatever. It, it was kind of around eight o'clock and we had 
everyone was ready to go home. And I was with my friend Tom and Evan was with his friend. Tom the karaoke man. Right? Tom the karaoke man, yes. He's, he's famous. Tom. Yeah, he's the best. Tom's great. Um, and it was me and Tom and Evan and his friend. We were all like, well, it's like 8 o'clock on a Friday. We're not ready to go home. And so we kind of, we went over back to his place and we went over to Barflies and, you know, long story short, there was some foosball and vodka shots and I kissed him and so here we are. And it was the beginning of this most beautiful, beautiful love story. And, um, every time I think of him, I, I have very vivid memories of, I actually knew this album, this Kishibashi album before I knew Evan. Yeah. And I had always just loved the story that Manchester gave mm-hmm. and that Manchester told, but I didn't, it didn't re- res- resonate with me. Yeah. And then I met him and then it just clicked. And there's, you know, another line in there is like, you know, I've never, I haven't felt this alive in a long time. And that's what it was, is yeah. he reawakened what I thought was just going to permanently be turned off. And he's just such a beautiful soul and such a good man. And I've never met anyone so giving and selfless and just, I don't know. He's, I'm so lucky to have someone like that in my life. And so I think of him. That's, I hear that. That's really cool that um, it's interesting because I, I think back to the way that you described it, but also like like you said, you knew you knew Kishibashi beforehand and then it kind of took on new meaning through yeah. it. And I think that's that's the power of the point of a lot of this the the podcast of like, hey, you know, a song can take on new meanings and new forms as you move through life mm-hmm. and you capture moments of that you try to remember and think about and apply. And clearly this is a perfect example of that where it's like, hey, it's something that you were familiar with and it became very important to you and now it represents something that yeah. is, you know, a huge part of who you are today and who you will be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, and it's cool. It's cool to think about that and use that as like a, an anchor towards that feeling in that chapter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, really powerful for me. Um, and genuine, like you're, we're, you can't see, but like, clearly this is, these are very raw emotions that you're yeah. communicating and it's great. And, uh, and I'm really appreciative that you feel comfortable sharing that. And, uh, it's great. Like that's, that's what matters. Yeah. So. Yeah. I am. I'm very lucky in so many ways and I have so much gratitude for what I've, what I've been given. And I, I feel like that song just encapsulates it all and wraps it up in a really beautiful package with violins. Of yeah. how oh, the violins lucky, are so good. The violins are beautiful. <laughs> uh, but just how lucky I am to have what I have in so many ways. That's great. Well, they're excellent song choices. It's an excellent closer track. And... Uh, I really appreciated your kind of trajectory through through that, and uh, this great. It was, it, I think about um, you know one of my goals of this is, is for listeners to hear songs that they may or may not have heard before, with new context that then they can take on, and then those songs might take on a different story for their own selves, and it may not have 
be as much importance to them personally in their own life, but it's still like a gateway into that. And I know for me, like you're the second person to bring REM to me. So, I mean, I, this is maybe the, the chapter that strikes the match that goes me, takes me amazing. down my REM path. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like it's challenging for me. I might get there. We'll see. Kishibashi though. I listened to that and that, that, that's pretty powerful. That was a, that was a really good song mm-hmm. and a really good story. And I really appreciate you sharing that. So I've got work to do. <laughs> Hopefully the listeners have work to do. Um, but overall, I really appreciate you coming on. And I think this was, this was great for me. Yeah. Uh, hope, hopefully you enjoyed it as oh, well. Oh, I loved every, every second of it. Thank you Good. so much for this. Good. Thank you so much. Uh, well, thanks again for the short notice. And uh, I wouldn't have guessed. I would have thought you'd been thinking about it for ages. So I <laughs> <laughs> so really appreciate you coming on. And yeah. Until next time. Yeah. Thank Memory you. Memory Tracks. Here we go.